Hello and welcome back to the Attacking Two podcast. You know me already. I'm your host, Andy Martin, joined as always by my fellow host, Chemi Funnel, and today by Max from Twitter, where you can find him under CFCPYS. And we will be talking about the Fulham game from the weekend, where we won 2-0, obviously. We will be talking about Marcos Alonso as well as Ruben Loftus-Cheek. One brilliant, one not so much. And we will be talking about the upcoming game against Wolves under the week. That's our talking points, and that's our question. Are you listening? Damn. All right. And before we start, make sure you follow all the people on the podcast. Make sure you follow our guest under the Twitter handle CFCPYS. Follow myself, Andy underscore MA10 on Twitter. And of course, Jimmy Funnel CFC on Twitter. All the links will be in the description below. All right, Max. Um, thanks for joining us. What did you make uh, of the game from the weekend as you were at Stamford Bridge? Um, what was the atmosphere like and how did you see our performance on the weekend? Uh, well, first off, it wasn't the greatest atmosphere. I, I usually do fine because I am a season ticket holder. I usually do fine with the smaller games. The atmospheres aren't the greatest. I mean, from kickoff, um, it wasn't great. Overall performance wasn't great either, but it was just one of those games where we got the job done, got the three points. And uh, yeah, it was it was all right in the end. I was happy to see uh, Giroud and Pedro start instead of Morata and William because they've you know been playing a lot lately. And uh, yeah, I do prefer Giroud and Pedro. But yeah, it was a, a not a great atmosphere, but you know we got the job done. Three points in a bag, and uh, yeah, move on to Wolves now. Hopefully, we win there as well. What do you think? How important was that early goal for us to? Because we, we haven't been to our standards in, in, in recent weeks and we struggled a bit. Um, how important was it for us to get to winning ways earlier on in that game, virtually with the, with the first shot of the game, I think? Yeah, it's important because, as you see, like against Spurs and that, I mean, Mauricio Sarri has been saying about the mentality of the team isn't, isn't you know, the best from the kickoffs or from the start, but... Yeah, I mean, if we can get more early goals, it'll, it'll definitely improve us a lot, you know, give us more confidence going on into the game rather than chasing the game. So, yeah, it was good to get an early goal um, through Pedro, of course. And, yeah, Kante winning the ball back, it was a good goal as well. It's actually interesting to about Kante because, I mean, it's been a discussion in recent weeks. Oh, is Kante in this new position? Is he wasted? Shall we drop him for, I don't know, Barkley? And or Kovacic and play Loftus Cheek as well, so completely we're out, Kante. But today it came out uh, from Simon Johnson from Standard Sport uh, that he actually likes this position. He's given him the so he says that the manager has given him the confidence to play this position. So he's doing his best, and he he likes it. So I mean that that's that's encouraging. If you see think of the experience what you just mentioned that uh, the weekend before the goal that was a absolutely crucial inception and he, he was a magnificent run so I think they worked a lot in training since that defeat to Spurs last week or last weekend it's great to see that generally Kante I think it was a bit nearer to Jorginho and it just worked really really well I think that protection that 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 could be the way going forward if Kante can more or less be in two positions at once. So covering for Giorgio 
uh, and then bombing forward just because he's got you know, the stamina to do it. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree. I mean, I definitely wouldn't drop him. You know, you, you can't drop a player of the year winner back-to-back Prem titles. You know, he's, he was important mm. for Leicester, important for us. He's, you know, probably our second most important player, obviously, after Hazard. And, uh, yeah, I just, I wouldn't drop him. And, you know, the thing is with Kante as well, he's not going to moan, you know. He's a, he's a shy character anyway, he just gets on with it. And, um, yeah, the, the thing I think as well, you know, about this midfield is a lot a lot of the people on, on Twitter and just overall general Chelsea fans are saying, oh, well, we need goals from midfield. Kante doesn't provide that. Well, people are only actually talking about the midfield getting goals and stuff in the first place because our up front is not providing the goals as required. You know, Hazard gets a few mm-hmm. um, and he will get, obviously, I reckon, over 20 this season. But, you know, with Morata, with William, how many are they going to get? Giroud as well, you know, he's pretty inconsistent. Pedro can get a few goals, but you don't really see him hitting 15, 20 goals. So people, you know, Chelsea fans have started to say, go, you know, they've started to accept, I think, that our attack isn't that great. So they've started to look at the midfield for goals, you know, with Barkley as well. And But the problem, you know, going to Kante, talking about goals and assists, that's not what he's there for, you know. Sari actually, exactly. mm. actually said that the reason why he plays further forward is to win more balls in attacking areas and, and to, um you know, to improve us going forward and not, obviously, he's not there to get goals or assists, you know what I mean? But he'll improve over time, I'm sure. But yeah, you just don't drop a player like Kante. He's too good, in my opinion, anyway. Yeah, I also think it's 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 a wrong expectation. Not only um, speaking about Kante, he has to score goals, but also thinking back into seasons where we won the title and we virtually had no goals from from midfield thinking back to the days of of Matic and Fabregas I mean Fabregas provided for Diego Costa most of the times and they had a brilliant partnership but he didn't score Matic didn't score barely did score um so we can't really expect from um Jorginho right he's he's playing in such deep positions where you can't really expect anything from him Uh, I think if we look for for goals from midfield uh, the only player who could really be criticised on a good basis is is Kovacic, and he hasn't had his best game against Fulham as well. I think he's low on confidence, but I think other than that, uh, it is uh, an attacking issue rather than a midfield issue. I agree on that. Um, but Jimmy, you, you you said obviously we watched the game together, and um, I remember you sitting there and, and saying uh, we need the second goal because we always looked like conceding, especially at the later stages of the first half. What did you mm. make um, of uh, defensive uh, performance, especially of the defensive midfielders? I think that, that there was sometimes a gap opening up where we didn't look too good between, let's say, Jorginho and, and the centre-halves. Let, let, let's be honest here. I mean, uh, we need to fix our defence up quickly. I think, uh, Max, you actually even said that on Twitter yeah, yesterday, that this needs to be addressed very quickly. Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, was it better? Yeah, but not because they were so good. It was because Fulham barely really uh, threatened them. I mean, when it did happen, then, yeah, they they looked shaken, but we were more or less distorted. This is distorted because we won. We were, it seemed like cruise control. They never, because they never scored. We had a clean sheet, but Alonso, he got burnt in that second half twice or three times where you thought, Jesus Christ, it's one thing. I think Alex Goldberg actually mentioned this in, in his video 
Um, it's one thing if you get burnt, but then you just try and get back as fast as possible. I mean, we know that Alonso isn't the quickest, but at least he could try. But he was just jogging. He wasn't even he wasn't even really trying to get back. If you get fucked, then at least put in the effort to come back. And that's what Alonso is lacking. He's got a new shiny contract. I don't think he cares. Even if it was the Fulham fans who were singing these vile songs, you can't do that. You can't, you can't show a lack of effort. You can be low on confidence. No one will fault him for that in that hostile atmosphere. But, you know, for Christ's sake, mate. And that's why I'm absolute for Emerson. Or what, do you agree, Max, with Emerson? 100%. I think Emerson gives you more work rate. I was saying this uh, uh, um, when I was at Stamford Bridge as well. During the game, I was actually calling for, for Alonso to be subbed off immediately because, you know, I was just thinking, like, when we was going forward, all those bad crosses he was putting in, I think he's got something like 8% cross accuracy, which is just absolutely terrible. Um, you know, going forward, people are sort of getting overhyped with these clutch goals as you will I mean he, he's not he's pretty overrated going forward and defensively for me he's just terrible Emerson again isn't the greatest defensively but he can I feel like he can just do a lot better job than Alonso I mean even in the Europa League games yeah again people might say well Emerson's playing against not you know as, as good of his opponents but for me yeah. I've seen enough to, to suggest that Emerson should be at least starting a few games until Alonso, you know, bucks his ideas up because that's the thing as well. I think with Alonso, he knows himself that he's not really, he may think himself that he's not really going to get pushed by Emerson. And that's where I think that Sari has to make some big decisions and, you know, maybe drop Alonso for a game, see how he reacts to it. Because often, you know, reaction is key with players. You know, if he gets annoyed or if he, you know, actually works hard and we see an, um, uh, a difference in his performance. Well, what I also think is he had such a good start to the season, Marcus Alonso, and he did score a few fabulous goals um, against Arsenal as well. And then it's, yeah, it slowly started on, on Twitter. People start to, to slag him off. And fair enough, I mean, in recent weeks, I'm, I'm all on board with that Marcus Alonso to the bench train. But um, for me, um, it is also a sign of, of him being on low confidence because he's, he isn't scoring anymore. Um, when when he is on high confidence, he does his runs into the box and he's so dangerous. But we don't see that in recent weeks. He he tends to stay wide and he's useless on crosses. So that's not contributing to his performance as well. So when he's not really when he not when he not trusts his his own tools, uh, he's he's getting even worse. And he doesn't do the basics of a right of of a left back. At the end of the day, you just get an atrocious performance. And it was actually a good sign for me that once, for once in, in the time of, of Sari being here, Alonso was subbed off. Um, but what, we've, what we saw in that situation was not Emerson coming on, because Emerson was obviously not on the bench, but Aspilicueta moving to the left and um, Sabacosta playing on the right. Is that maybe a solution for us? What do you think, Max? I'm not. I'm not too sure, to be honest. I think, uh, I, I don't know, I'm, I'm quite mixed. I feel, I feel like just... I'm not really sure about Zappacosta, to be honest. I, I don't really rate him at all. Um, he's decent going forward, but I don't really think he's the answer. But yeah, i definitely get Emerson in um, for the Wolves game, at least, in my opinion, yeah. No, I, I just want to say maybe, maybe that's, as you said, Andy, uh, he wasn't on the bench. It, maybe if he would have been on the bench, he would have subbed him like for like. Or I, I don't know if he was trying to like tr just try out as Pelicueta on the left, because... I mean, the last time Azpilicueta was really elite on the, in the fullback position, it was at left-back. So, I don't know if he's just trying 
something there because I, I think um, despite many of our fans, because I agree with you, Max, I, I don't rate Zappacosta as a defender. As a defender going forward, okay, yeah, he, he, he's very decent. His crosses is just, unfortunately more Ivanovic-like than Zappacosta-like that we saw or were expecting from Turin, uh, Torino. Um, but, you know, I, I think Sari rates him because he, he was good in preseason. I actually thought he was a standout performer in preseason. He uh, took to Sari's philosophy of football like a duck to water. So I, I, I do believe that he's still got a future here, um, even though I'd also like to see us get a new right back. Um, maybe that changes if we can get Hasai, I think his name is, from Napoli. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. I was seeing some, some links the other day about, yeah, that, I don't know, is it Hasai? Something like that. <laughs> yeah, but I feel, I feel like that may happen. But again, you've got to think uh, the president, Aurelio De Laurentiis, not an easy person, as we know. Right. Yeah. Whether, whether, first off, he's worth the money, and second off, whether you can even buy him anyway, because, you know, it could be quite a hard deal to complete as well. Yeah, I think with, with fullbacks these days, you're always going to have a, a huge risk when you try to, to get a new player, because, like, there ain't many good players in these positions, and the maybe handful that there is good players. Um, they are, they are actually. Um, I mean, when you look at Manchester City and what they've spent on fullbacks, you only get quality when you when you spend largely. And with our players, our two starting fullbacks are aging, and we need to we need to look to the transfer market um, for Marcus Alonso. Though um, Jimmy, I, I think you said it last week or two weeks back. Um, you 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 thought um, either. Emerson or Marcus Alonso was on his way out of the club for one or the other reason. Um, mm. Do you still think that with Marcus Alonso signing his new contract and all that? Well, contract extensions nowadays mean nothing. Let's 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 be real here. I mean, it's great to see him sign a new contract because we'll get more money if he does get eventually sold. Real uh, Madrid, Real Madrid have been uh, rumored to be interested. You never know. I mean, Marcelo ain't getting any younger. <clears throat> to be fair, Marcus Alonso isn't getting any younger. I mean, not 28 is no age, but it's not a spring chicken anymore. So it, it's, I do believe that one will go out. I, I've got a feeling that Emerson will be loaned out and eventually sold, which is a shame because I actually rate Emerson very highly. Uh, I know, as Max said before, you know, defensively he's a bit dodgy, but I think he can be much better because I remember watching him for Roma and he was really good defensively. All all sides of his games uh, were just intact. It just worked. Uh, that injury put him off. But I think if he gets a run of games, not just in the Europa League against Farmers, he he could actually get better in that department as well. So, yeah, I, I think I stand by... I, I, no, I don't think I know it. Uh, I do stand by my point that I believe that one will be on his way out. Mm. Not in the January, but in the summer. Yeah. In the summer, yeah. What What do you think, Max? If we just swap our players, get Emerson in, get Marcus Alonso on the bench, are we sorted for this, let's say, next seven, eight months of this season and then in summer we, we look maybe for a new player to come in or do we have to do things in the winter transfer window? Um, well, I don't really, to be honest, defence is a problem, but I don't, I feel like the left-backs are 
as much as we don't, I mean, I don't really like Alonso, but I can deal with him. I, I can, you know, I can deal with Emerson. And I don't really see that as a, personally, knowing like, you know, knowing a bit about the board and stuff, I don't think they'll be looking at left back. They'll be, they'll be trusting Alonso. I think Sarri does trust Alonso. And I feel like rotation will be key between them two. I feel like maybe in the summer, possibly, that a deal could be done, maybe a new left-back coming. But I feel like for now, I mean, the left-backs are, they're not great, but they're OK. I mean, we can get through this season, at least, with them, with them too. It's just, it depends how much you're going to rotate, you know. If you're going to give Emerson three or four games and he plays really well, and then, you know, you decide to bring Alonso back in and Emerson's confidence goes down, it's, it's kind of, you know... It, it will be back and forth, I think, this this um, this season. But it depends if Alonso gets dropped first. Like if Alonso starts against Wolves, I can see some Chelsea fans having problems with that. They're going to be like, "Well, hang on a minute. What what has Emerson got to do? You know, he does. Mm. He's doing his bit in the Europa League. Why is Alonso playing bad in the Premier League and still getting consistent run of games? That's what I mean. Going away from left back, I'm going to compare it to the right wing position. Everyone was uh, well. Everyone that I could see was so, so happy that Pedro was playing instead of William because William's got two goals this season and a, I think a couple of assists. And Pedro, clearly, for me anyway, is the miles better player. And many people were saying, oh, why is William consistently, consistently, consistently being picked by Sarri, even though he's, for me, he doesn't really contribute anything to the team. And Pedro just does a lot more. Um, yeah, people were, you know, they were saying a lot about why is he not rotating? And finally, he did. So maybe we see Alonso coming in. But I'm not too sure, to be honest, what he's going to do with that left-back position. Mm. Yeah, for, for me, I think one one point that gets maybe missed out a lot of times is uh, the fact that if you take out William and, and if you take out Alonso, you take away our two best or two decent um, dead ball specialists. And if, you, if you're left with, well, Jorginho, I guess, can deliver a ball. Um, Hazard can as well, but you like to have him in the box, I guess. What do you do then, really? Because um, I think William isn't decent anymore on, on, on free kicks. I think the last one he scored was last season, or did he score this season? I don't think so. Um, I trust Marcus Alonso from the distance, but there, there ain't many more good players, and it, it isn't a good, a good asset to our game. Um, that balls have been in recent seasons as well as in this one, especially from corners, free kicks. We, we don't create much much damage to other teams. But still, if you take that one away as well, we are very one-dimensional. Like If, if, our, if, if our game doesn't, doesn't uh, materialise, and we had that on many occasions this season when Jorginius gets taken out of the game, you don't have the jailbreaker. You don't have another asset to the, to the game where you say, all right, if it doesn't work out for 90 minutes, you still have Marcus Alonso banging in one from 25 yards out. You don't have that, so maybe it's worth uh, at least keeping one of them in, just for that reason. Well, wait a minute. If Marcus Alonso plays like he is at the moment, low on confidence, then there's no point. You could see his free kicks uh, <clears throat> on, on uh, against Fulham, and in recent weeks they weren't that good. And William, I'm not even going to start about him because his delivery into the box from corners, for example, is the most atrocious I've ever seen. I think at Chelsea Football Club, and I've seen a lot. I mean, it's, it's ridiculous how bad his corners are. You know, Hazard does it far better. I, I, I'd take Hazard doing our set plays, to, uh, taking our set plays any day of the week. Would you agree with that, Max? Yeah, I mean, yeah, I would take Hazard over William. I mean, I have many people 
uh, and his overall game, to be honest. Alonso, as we, I'm not going to say, you know, oh, he doesn't take a good free kick because he bloody can. You know what I mean? He can take a great free kick, score, get the fans excited. Mm. But low on confidence at the moment. Um, I just, I'm not sure what to think about Alonso and the whole set piece sort of, um, sort of, you know, sort of problem. Because the thing is, as well, I saw on on uh, against. Against Wolves, I saw Hazard actually take. He sort of said, "You know, I'll take one instead of Alonso." He took a free kick. It wasn't great, but he sort of took it off Alonso, and I think he sort of saw that, you know, Alonso isn't isn't you know wasn't taking many good ones. So I think Hazard could definitely take responsibility in the future, and yeah, I'll definitely you know back him to to do good set pieces and free kicks. To be honest, yeah. Mm. So um, <laughs> well, that that's that, that's a really well. Uh... Well, a downer, I would say, talking about Marcus Alonso all the time. So I think we have to look on the bright side as well. And, and uh, Ruben Loftus-Cheek, he came on, had a really good game because he was kind of the bond between the defence and, and, and the attacking side of our team when we looked a bit loose at times and, and yeah, didn't come off with good chances. And, and maybe um, we needed that second goal. I completely agree with everyone who said that on Twitter as well as, as, as Jimmy next to me in the bar. But... Um, yeah, he he made it happen for us. Made his made his goal. Um, made it two nil, and the game was done and dusted. So does he deserve uh, for for starters to start against Wolves, and does he deserve to be within the first eleven names on the team sheet, Max? Hundred percent. Um, yeah, hundred percent. He definitely should start against Wolves. I mean, the problem is people are saying have been saying obviously, oh, we need goals maybe from Kante or from Kovacic. Well. Kovacic first off doesn't give you the goals. I think we can quite clearly see that. Barkley, yeah, he can give you a few goals. He gets some assists, but I feel like Loftus-Cheek, you know, it can be definitely more consistent. I feel like he has everything in his game. He definitely, definitely should be playing for me. Um, should be taking that left-centre mid-spot. And yeah, definitely for me yeah, as well. Starting against Wolves and in the near future, to be honest, if he continues his performances up. Because the thing is, we forget about Loftus-Cheek as well. Some people forget. People were saying, oh, you know, he didn't really do do much at, at Palace and, and in his career, really. But he hasn't, for me, been given a consistent chance. And for me, I think Chelsea this season is the time where he could claim that left centre mid spot if he keeps putting in these good performances. And I feel like Sari could definitely put him in for me, yeah. Mm. I also think he, he doesn't really need much chances. You you see his impact, at least when he gets 10 minutes, you see his impact in our side and um, for me, it is Ruben Loftus-Cheek all day long over Kovacic and over, Barkley, over Parkley as well uh, so far this season. But Jimmy, what do you think? What, what changed for us in the game when uh, Ruben Loftus-Cheek came on? What did he do better than, than Kovacic? Well, the, the, what was immediately evident for me was that the link-up play between midfield and attack was actually apparent again because it was just not the case before. And I mean... Kovacic has got a lot of virtues, but what you know, creating these killer passes and scoring goals just simply isn't one of them. It's never been, to be fair, you know, not as uh, Inter, not as Real Madrid. It's just not a part of his game, uh, and that's fine. Whether we then need to buy him, ultimately, I'd say still say yes because we need that competition in midfield. But you know, Ruben Loftus Cheek just brings coherence. The, he he kind of brings this fluidity into the team where you say, okay, our team is finding it hard to get break through their lines. 
So he can just dance past two or three players and they're all over the place. And then whoops de doo we have the kind of interplay as he did before the second goal and he scores. And that was a very good finish, I must say. Um, I think, I, you know, when, we're never going to have someone like Frank Lampard again at this club, let, let's be honest. And his goal scoring record will probably never be imitated by another midfield player ever again. But if Room Loftus-Cheek can continue to score goals, uh, and he very well can, he showed that at youth level, showed it already here, at, uh, you know, in the first team, then there's just nothing that would justify Sari not starting him over Barkley for certain, because I know I was one of them who advocated for Barkley to be playing, and I still do think that he's a brilliant player. His inconsistency issues are just, at the moment, okay, he needs some time to get some confidence up, uh, be more consistent, right, drop him, play room, loves to cheat. He's, I mean, how much goals has he scored? Like five in his last six or something like that? It's just, that's tremendous because we don't have a lot of mid, uh, goals from midfield at Chelsea. So I just hope that Sari uh, realises, yeah, okay, he deserves it, we should play him. Because favoritism, I know he does it, but there's there's no plausible reason why uh, Room Loves a Cheat will not start against Wolves on Wednesday. He has to, in my opinion. He just simply has to. Mm, yeah, he has to for, for many reasons. First of all, uh, we have to kind of rotate our squad because we've seen when players look tired, we tend to um, make very bad decisions on on the field and eventually we we start slow we finish slow and everything between is slow as well we we always look bad when we have when we have players on the field that are not to let's say the 90 or even 100% of their fitness so uh, for that reason alone but for me I, I like it when people compare players to cars for some reason and i think the best comparison one can make is ruben loftus cheek uh, being compared to a royce royce he, he, he can do it all. He's so uh, smooth in midfield, driving past players. Uh, he can bring, when you, when you need uh, some, some stability in the game, when you lose the ball a lot, bring on Ruben Loftus-Cheek. If you need a player who can drive forward, maybe bring some chaos to a very good organised opponent, take on Ruben Loftus-Cheek. When you need a player who comes on from midfield and scores, you bring on Ruben Loftus-Cheek. He can do, do so many things. And funny enough, he's only 22 years of age, but he's such, he's such a, a specimen. It's, it, it's amazing. And it looks sometimes when he goes past two players, it looks like boys against men with, a, with such a young player, unexperienced, but yet so good. And I agree with you that you can't compare a player, especially not a 22-year-old Ruben Loftus-Cheek to uh, Frank Lampard, obviously, but um, he's the next best thing. And... Yeah. I, I really like him. I really like him. And he has Qu to play. Quest question to Max, um, because it's always been a bit of a point of criticism aimed towards Rubes that he lacks the defensive capabilities so that he's a bit late. Well, a bit lazy. I mean, that was always the main argument against him. Um, I personally think he's improved massively in that department. What, 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 what do you say? He will. And that's the thing. Because he's so young, you know, he's not in the latest stage of his career where his legs have gone, you know. People saying he's lazy, but I feel like people just take attention to detail a bit too extreme. I mean, he's definitely improving so far and he can 
still improve. I mean, he's got many, many, many more years ahead of him. And, yeah, he can improve even more attacking and even better, you know, get better at defensive, defensive work, you know, training comes in key with these um, with these young players. And I feel like, yeah, he definitely will improve over time as well. Can you see him as a, as a striker or a second striker? Because that was regarded on many occasions. I think oh, Mourinho <laughs> tried to do it. Conte tried to do it. I hope Sarri doesn't do it because I don't think it's, it's, it's an appropriate position for his kind of play. But Max, do you think there is any truth in that? Can he play that second striker role? Um, no, I, I don't think so. I mean, maybe he does have some attributes, but... Um, I mean, we should definitely be talking about him playing, you know, the left centre mid role. I don't think striker role is, is for him, really. Um, although I probably, he may say it is, but I just don't believe any any truth in that, um, that he should be playing striker. Not for me at all, no. Mm. So when we talk about Wolves and who has to play, um, about Ruben Loftus-Cheek, I'm sure we agree all on the fact that he has to start. Um which changes would you make, Jimmy, for that for that lineup against Wolves away? Uh, obviously, dif- uh, difficult game. I mean, Wolves. I think they haven't won for the last seven games on the bounce, but still, uh, they've shown a masterclass against Manchester City. Manchester City is, well, obviously superior to our team. We there's no denying in that, but they're playing a similar brand of football, uh, just to a better degree. So maybe they have the master plan against Chelsea. Just, just in a draw, and they just have to to pull it out and play it against us, and we will struggle there. So, what do you think? How can we adjust for for Wolves and or, or just play our game to to the normal level, and we will be successful? What's what's your kind of imagination of that game? Well, if we play like we did uh, before Tottenham and at at Spurs, then I think we could really struggle against Wolves. They're a very good team for. The side that's just actually gotten promoted. So I, 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 we're not allowed to be complacent here. And we do tend to be complacent, especially pricks like William. I'm sorry, but it, it really is. William is one of those players who just gets really complacent and plays with, a, you know, like a, oh, yeah, all slow, no problem. They're, they're shit anyway. And then fucks everything up. So, you know, Pedro has to start again, first of all. That is an absolute must. At striking position, I'm going to continue with Hazard has to be. I'd really want to see Hazard down the middle. I'd start Hudson-Odoi after a great performance um, in the Europa League. It's never going to happen, but, you know, this is a preferred lineup. So I would say that. But realistically, it's going to be Hazard, Morata and Pedro. Uh, Because Giroud, as Max said before, is just... One time it's good, one time it's bad. Sunday was kind of a crap showing again. So I think that's the main area we have to look to. Otherwise, in midfield, I just start everyone as has been the case, except for Alonso and, and Kovacic. Loftus-Cheek in there and Emerson in at left-back. That's, that's why I do. The, the, the tack is the problem for me. Mm. What do you think, Max? Uh, any adjustments to the lineup? Um, well, first off, if I was going for my preferred lineup. Um, I definitely, definitely say Hudson Adore at left wing, maybe Hazard down the middle, you know. But many people would say, "Oh, it's not FIFA career mode, mate. It's not Ultimate Team," you know. But <laughs> I, I see that comparison a lot when I say about Hudson Adore and Hazard down the middle at, at striker role. But realistically, I mean, it's probably going to be. Should, should I do my sort of realistic? What I think it'll be the whole team, or yeah, yeah, sure, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm going to say Kepper in goal. Um, at the back four, I would imagine would probably be 
David Luiz again, although I don't want him to play. David Luiz, Rudiger, Azpilicueta, and I feel like he might stick with Alonso, but I'm, I, I, I just got a feeling he's going to stick with Alonso for some reason. But um, yeah, I just, I just don't feel like he fully trusts Emerson, but I'm going to go with Alonso at left back, even though that's definitely not what I would want. In the midfield, um, I feel like he might give Jorginho a rest, so I'm going to bring Fabregas in. Um, Kovacic probably will sit this one out, I feel like, and Barkley and Loftus-Cheek. Barkley will be on the bench, I feel like, and Loftus-Cheek will, will hopefully start. Um, obviously, Kante at right centre-mid. And then, for me, realistically, knowing that they both didn't didn't really feature that much, I mean, Morata did, but I feel like Morata will come back in and William will come back in as well. Um, yeah, I just feel like rotation, he's been going on a lot about rotation, so I mean, I don't feel like he's going to stick with a, a preferred sort of lineup. I feel like over this Christmas period, he's going to keep rotating, keep rotating, and then, you know, I feel like as well with this Christmas period, he's trying to actually find his his best sort of starting eleven because at the start of the season, you, you, we kept seeing, well, throughout the season, overall, we kept seeing, you know, Morata, William Hazard, Kovacic, Jorginho, Kante, and the, and the regular back four. But I feel like this is the time over Christmas to give the players like Emerson, Zappacosta, a few games, and, and uh, Giroud and Pedro to see if they can make the difference, to be honest. And, you know, I feel like if they can, then it could be, you know, using them more in the starting eleven in the future. But as I said before, I mean, Christmas period, it's all about rotation. I can definitely see Morata um, and William coming back into the starting eleven against Wolves on Wednesday. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, yeah. I was going to say I don't want it to, but I just feel like he's going to put them both back in because, you know, let's not be let's not be um, sort of unrealistic. I, I just feel like he trusts them more than Giroud yeah. and Pedro, which is annoying considering these are you know sort of Giroud and Pedro are sort of fan favourites for most people over Morata and William anyway. Mm. Yeah, I think also Jimmy. There's no reason to be upset because if they play under the week, the perhaps means that they don't play on the weekend when it goes against Manchester City and I'm happy to have Morata on the bench when we go up against Manchester City because we ain't going to get many chances and <laughs> with three or four chances in the game and Morata missing usually 10 before he scores one uh, I'm right. more than happy to have Toshiro in the lineup there uh, also uh, the the thing about William even though he he tends to turn up in the big games but but still I think against Wolves however um, it is going down to being prepared for their style of play because what I've seen with Wolves uh, they play a 3-4-3 and we tend to struggle against this, this system. You don't come come up off very often against this this kind of um, formation uh, I mean in the last season maybe 10, 11, 12 teams in the Premier League played that one um, now it is I think only Huddersfield on some occasions and, and Wolves but the last team that played the system against us was Arsenal, and they stretched us extremely wide in the in the second game of the season. That was, um, and we looked a bit, yeah, we had so many chances against us, and we was lucky to to come away with a win there. Um, so I think that can be an issue for the fullbacks again when you when you're out wide uh, and being outnumbered on the flanks, two against one. Aspiliqueta, Marcos Alonso, you don't know what happens there. But still, um, high-pressing team. So you also want your midfield to be very press-consistent, moving the ball well. So I'm, I'm more than happy to see Fabregas in there as well because if he can do one thing, it, it's exactly that. And that will also free up room so um, to, to, to make runs into. Um, talking about Morata, maybe he 
gets a good game because of the of the kind of spaces he gets against Wolves. So playing a high defensive line, he can get in behind. He likes the runs in behind more than coming short because he can't do uh, c- coming short. He he's always on the floor. I think I'm, I'm I'm happy with with the realistic lineup Max gave us. Um, however, um, away to Wolves, it's going to be a, t- a difficult game uh, for me. As maybe we talk about predictions here. Um, for me, I guess we will concede a goal against them. They're not overly clinical, but they tend to score. Um, I go two one for Chelsea. What do you think, Max? Uh, well, to be honest, I feel like the score prediction will... Uh, I'm not so sure. I, I feel like the game is either going to go one way. We're either going to play really well and everyone's going to be happy again, or we're going to struggle with the press, struggle with how Wolves play, you know, using the wings. Um, they're going to target... Obviously, if Alonso plays, they're going to target him, as well as Aspi as well. You know, Aspi's kind of going under the radar a little bit. He's, his performances definitely have deteriorated at right-back. Um you know, since since he's come in at right back, he's not been. I don't think he's been that great this season. And I feel like Wolves will will mainly target the wings. But for an overall score prediction, I'm gonna go gonna be positive. I'm gonna go three one Chelsea. Jimmy, blimey, that is positive because now I'm I'm thinking I'm thinking too negative here because I'm gonna go with a draw. I'm gonna go with a one one all draw. To be honest, yeah, I, I, I could see that as well. I could see that, but yeah, I, I just feel like. I don't know. I like to stay positive, so yeah. <laughs> I'd like to as well, but is I'm I don't know. Realistically speaking, I can't see us leaving there with a with a win. I don't know why. It's just a feeling. <laughs> then again, my feeling was we're going to batter Spurs at Wembley. So you know what do I know? But I think that that exactly with the with the fullbacks getting exposed. Um, if Alonso does play, then that doesn't only expose Alonso against that kind of a setup, but it also exposes David Luiz. And uh, if we do play Emerson, or, you know, Christ say, even that I'd be more happy with if he plays Azpilicueta on the left and Zappacosta on the right, um, then I think that will give David Luiz more protection. The only snag is, because you two mentioned Fabregas starting, I just want to mention this before I say my prediction. I think if he does start Fabregas in midfield, and Kante's a given, of course, then Loftus-Cheek's not going to start because he's going to want someone in that left-centre-mid position that also works hard. And even though I'm of the opinion that Loftus-Cheek can very much do that, he's not lazy like many say, he'll rate Barkley higher than that in the defensive phase of the game. And he can still, in theory, score a goal. So I I do believe that it would then be Barkley, Fabregas and Kante in midfield. But, you know, we'll have to wait and see. So I said... My prediction, that'll be either a one-all or a 2-2. Well, funny enough you say that, Jimmy, because I think the stats are against your statement. Uh, I hope they are. (laughs) No, no, some weeks ago, uh, I actually looked it up. um, How many interceptions, how many tackles does Ross Barkley do in comparison to Kovacic in midfield? And he's really... He's he's so overrated in the the defensive side of his game. he, He barely wins anything. So uh, I'm not too sure. Maybe he is also with Sari regarded as the more defensive player and the the player who gets stuck in. But yeah, but that's that showed the difference. Andy, showed... yeah, yeah. Stats also say that uh, William creates the most chances. I'd still not even let him anywhere near for starting eleven if I can could 
You know, yeah. that, that it means bullshit. You know, I, I I agree with you that stats to a certain extent mean a lot. You know, they they can give you certain information and a, a basis, but you know, they they can be distorted because William most chances created for Christ's sake. You know. I mean, also, with Jorginho, he's always passing the most, uh, you know, of all the players. But, you know, that doesn't mean that he has a severe impact every game, as you could see against Spurs or Everton. So, I'd I, I be careful with that. Uh, I, I, I agree with you that Barkley isn't the best in the defensive area compared to, for example, Kovacic. But if he's going to rotate, um, then I do believe, because that from Sari's own comments, he does rate him defensively. So, I have to wait and see. Yeah, doesn't tell the whole story though. I mean, it can only be a case of him closing down spaces and, um, yeah, kind of the the opposition not playing passes they would have played if Barkley wasn't there. It's it's it's, it's a different story, of course, but just straight facts or or straight um, statistics tell you that that Barkley maybe is overrated in that department. But yeah, I think when he does have a good performance, um, no one will <laughs> complain about stats here. Um, yeah, for me, I'm quite opinionated on on these on our midfield, especially. I mean, Barkley. For me, he can he can do the work, but I, I just don't really rate him. To be honest, I, I just definitely would stick it off to cheek um, in at Wolves. But I, I said about Fabregas potentially coming in, but I think I think Jorginho will play. But um, I hope Fabregas does play for me because um, you know maybe. Slightly controversial, but I actually rate Fabregas over Jorginho. So, uh, yeah, I'd hope Fabregas would play. Wow. And, uh, yeah, it's a strong strengthen, but I've seen enough. I, I just, for me, Jorginho actually is quite overrated. So, uh, yeah, <laughs> I'd go with I'd go with Fabregas for the near future anyway. Although I know Jorginho uh, is sort of Sarri's main man and the whole system and stuff. Not denying that, obviously, he's very, very important to the system, but... You know, both are bad when they're pressed, but for me, I feel like Fabregas gives you a little bit more um, first sort of experience going forward as well with with the balls going forward. I feel like he can create a lot more chances. And uh, yeah, I'd go with Jorginho. Uh, no, not Jorginho, Fabregas, sorry, against Wolves. Yeah. Well, what do you especially rate about Fabregas that, Fabregas that Jorginho doesn't have in his game? Um, because I, I think... Um, Regarding passing, I think Fabregas is a better pass of the ball, especially forward passes, balls over over the top between the last two lines or even over the last line playing that amazing pass uh, against um, Pauk under the week uh, where Giroud scored his second goal. That was just, just an amazing pass and he can do that all day long. But what do you think about the defensive side to this game? Because I think with it's fair to say with Fabregas it's non-existent. And with Jorginho, it has been bad recently. But um, do, do you think that? Why not existence? To be honest, <laughs> but that's the problem. I don't. Again, I just as much as this season is going quite well, there is so many little problems that in the future could be added up to big problems. I mean, Jorginho and Fabregas, both of them are very, very decent players. But it's just I'm not sure. I'm, I'm quite worried in that sort of reduce the role as people like to call it in the in the mm. Sari system. I'm quite worried about both players, although I do rate them, but I'm just worried over time that mm. that if they keep putting in sort of average performances, if if Jorginho sort of keeps playing not as good as we've seen him at the start of the season and Fabregas comes in and, and sort of doesn't do 
do as good as job, you know, it's it's going to be a tough position in the future. I feel like we may need to strengthen that one in the future. Um, and saying, adding on to the point of sort of the reduce the role in the in the Sarri system, Fabregas could be leaving, of course, anyway. So you know, it, we may see another potential sort of backup for Jorginho in the future. So that'll be interesting to see if we dive into the market to get a sort of a backup for Jorginho or potentially even push him, which I, I think is quite important because competition for places is, is, is always important. And that's what I've been saying about Alonso as well, the left-back position. I just I don't feel like Alonso thinks to himself that Emerson's going to push him enough. So I feel like we may, you know, it, it's just it's, it's a hard sort of discussion really. Um, yeah, I just feel like we need some some more signings, obviously, to improve the squad in in certain positions. Mm. Well, that that's the thing, isn't it? I mean, getting the squad depth necessary, not only in midfield but in all the other departments, that's going to be an issue that has to be addressed in January and uh, at the latest in the summer. Um, but yeah, yeah, I, I, it's very. I'm very interested by by your views there on Jorginho and Fabregas. I didn't know that. So it's actually quite interesting to hear that perception because you don't hear it too often, uh, got to say. Um, but yeah, I'm, I mean, I think, I think we can end on the note that those midfield spots are most certainly still up for grabs. I mean, let's say apart from Kante, because he's undroppable, I think we can agree on that. Yeah. But all the other positions, I think it's going to be interesting how this season ends and how it plays out, uh, how it plays out, uh, and who will establish himself as the number one options. So, yeah, I think we we we, we spoke about some really interesting points today. It was a very intriguing uh, discussion in regard to what the future also holds. So, first of all, Max, we'd really love to thank you for coming on on the podcast today. It was lovely having you. That's all right. Thanks for having me, guys. And uh, it, w- it was absolutely our pleasure. Um, and as we always do, um, we always end with a bit of a, a plug-in uh, a session, segment, whatever you want to call it. So, uh, Max, tell us where our listeners can find you on the social media platforms. It's literally just Twitter, mate. All I have is, is my Twitter, at CFCPYS. Obviously, I just do literally most match day content. Um, match day content. Uh, if, I, if I go to the games or whatever, sometimes I post a bit later. But yeah, I'm always posting Chelsea stuff on their opinions, etc. You know, um, player comparisons as well. I've been doing a few of them lately um, in, in certain key areas. I, I did one the other day, Emerson versus Alonso and all the different sort of key areas of a left-back. So yeah, I do some... Do some interesting stuff on there, but yeah, that's pretty much all I have is my Twitter at CFCPYS. I can only agree with that. I've been following you for a while now, and especially post-match analysis is always very on point. So uh, for anyone who isn't following Max yet on Twitter, please do. It's definitely worth a follow. As always, let's continue with with Andy. Yeah, usual procedure, yada, yada, yada. It's Andy underscore ma10 on twitter you know already um yeah I, I think i keep it short just listen and subscribe and follow and give a good rating to the attacking two podcast and jimmy can end that one yep i shall jimmy funneled cfc as always on twitter 
Uh, and of course, do follow us, uh, the Attacking Two Pod, also on Twitter. That, that's pretty much all from us. And after a wonderful episode, it's time to say goodbye. And we'll see each other next week. <laughs>